Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life and in your organization, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hello again, friends. Welcome to this episode, episode 30. Um, it uh, feels like a small, important milestone in some way. Um, it's been about a month since I've been with you last, and uh, the world continues to shift and transform, and I'm out here, you know, riding these waves with you, and I do want to take a minute since, you know, a lot has happened since we were last together. Um, I want to take a minute to say unequivocally that, you know, I believe that Black Lives Matter. There's a... Um, link and some more information on my website. I want to share that I'm learning, you know, more as a white person in this country that, you know, has been built on white supremacy, really reevaluating the steps I've taken and looking at how to make this space and my business really an anti-racist space. So I am in this with you and want to create a, a, a space and a business that is safe and inclusive for all people, especially those who have been historically marginalized. And so I invite you to hold me accountable to that vision. You know, if there are things that I share on this platform that feel sticky or yucky or unclear, you know, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Uh, I'm I'm here and, and want to learn and do this uh, lifelong work in a more sustained and consistent way. I'm also, you know, here with you in the midst of COVID-19 here in Oregon. Things are slowly reopening in my county. It's going slower than in other counties, but of course that has brought on a surge of cases. And, uh, you know, it's been scary for, since the beginning, I think we're all kind of learning how to adapt and learning what it means and have different comfort levels in terms of how we engage in the world in the midst of this pandemic. And my husband was home for about three months since late March, you know, since our son was born on his uh, paternity leave, but he is an essential worker and had to go back to work a couple of weeks ago uh, in a not totally safe feeling environment. And I just, it's given me a lot of empathy for those frontline workers that have been out there doing this for months now. And uh, I just want to share that, that I feel that and understand that more deeply. And thank you. And I'm sorry that we live in a society that or in a country that is like, so botched this uh, pandemic and how we dealt with it. And I hope that we all get through it safely. And, uh, I'm here out here, you know, supporting you as well. And just, um, have some greater empathy now that my family is in it as well. And just wish each of you health and well being and safety where we are in the natural world, of course, is in the sign Zodiac sign of cancer. We passed through the summer solstice on June 20th. So we are, you know, in the midst of the summer season here in the Pacific North Northwest, it's still early summer for others of you in different ecosystems. It may feel more like midsummer. Uh, and I'll share more about what I, what invitations I see in this time in a moment. 
I do want to share some announcements, some ways that I'm uh, wanting to support you in this time. It's been, you know, it things feel intense no matter where you are. I think if you're awake and even if you're not on social media, if you're sort of sensing what is going on right now, I think we're being asked to step into a deeper level of understanding and self-care and community building and adaptation, really, which is something that the natural world goes through all the time and is having to go through at increasingly rapid rates now with climate change. And so I'm thinking about in my own life how to really root in and take care of myself uh, really at a deeper level, deeper than I've ever done before, so that I can really adapt and contribute in the ways that I want to and I think need to right now. So I was thinking about what I really need, and um, it became clear that it's something that I can give myself, but I, I could also offer this community. So I'm hosting a live 20-minute rooting in call on Tuesday, July 7th at 1130 Pacific Standard Time, and this is just going to be a really simple but powerful reset button. It's free. It's a 20-minute you know, community grounding experience, essentially. There's no video. It's just going to be audio. It's going to be live. I won't do a recording. Um, my only ask is that you tune in either outside, you know, on a walk or sitting outside, or that you are looking outside <laughs> when we're on the call together, um, because it will be an exercise in grounding and connecting with the natural world. It will also include some self-reflection inquiries based on the element of water, since we are in that cancer water season, um, and some other really sweet things. It's, it's meant to be a space for you to reconnect with yourself and with the earth. And I think we truly need this all the time, but now especially. So you can tune into that by signing up at the link in the show notes or on my website, awildnewwork.com. And of course, if you're on my email list, you'll get a link to that as well. I also have some free monthly micro season guides for those of you who are in HR or management or in leadership positions. Uh, I just released the first one like last week, um, and it's essentially a look at each of the three micro seasons within the season of summer and the invitations for us individually, but also organizationally and some ways that you could focus your work in order to align with what the natural world is doing. So those are free and the first one is included in the link below and you can get those you know, regularly as they come out by joining my email newsletter list. And finally, I always of course have two nature-based one-on-one programs. One for those of you in career transition or in, in the process of looking at your work life and how you want to show up and tap into your strengths at this time. And I also am doing one-on-one -on -one work now specifically with HR professionals who aren't in transition, but who really want to be doing incredible work for their organizations. Um, those who want to tap into their values, their strengths, and set intentions for showing up and how they show up in their organizations. So I'm really excited to start doing that. I've been working with HR professionals for years now as career coaching clients and I'm excited to support you as you are inside of the organization actually doing this incredible work and kind of rooting in there. 
So those are some ways that I want to support you. Again, I'm always out here available for a quick chat or just touching base over email. I really value this community so much and uh, just want to be an extra, you know, source of support in your toolbox. So with that, why don't we do our opening invocation? So wherever you are, you can get still, quiet, see if you can make your body a little heavier. Let's take a deep breath together. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So where are we in the natural cycles of the seasons? We are now on the other side of the summer solstice, uh, which means that we are, you know, knee deep in the summer season. It also means that we've crossed over into the darker half of the year. So from the winter solstice until June 20th, the days were getting longer and there was more and more light. And then of course on the 20th was the longest, brightest day of the year. And now we start trending back toward shorter days until the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. We're also in the zodiac sign of Cancer, which is a water element. Um, it's symbolized most often by the crab, which is a creature that undergoes a pretty incredible molting process five to, I think, up to 20 times in its life where it will expand its body so much that the shell that it's living in actually cracks open and it withdraws itself from its shell, spends a few days in this very vulnerable, soft state and then it grows a new larger shell that it can fit in. So a pretty incredible metaphor, I think, an example of the transformational process. It's, I think, equally powerful, you know, to the butterfly or some of these other creatures that undergo these metamorphoses. So if you're ever in the midst of transformation and wondering how to do that more gracefully, you can, you know, call on our friend, the crab. <laughs> um, some other symbols of cancer season are a river that's really, you know, running high, swollen with snow melt. You know, in this early summer, we often get the the melt from the mountains down in the rivers, and so they are full and running. If you practice with the tarot at all, the chariot card is associated with this element, and there's this sense of kind of learning how to work with the transformative process, how to channel life force, how to channel life and your own vitality in order to be well and to be you and to step into your own power and strengths and the ways that you are destined to contribute on this planet. I think um, some other really lovely examples are some of these first fruits that we see. So blueberries, strawberries, cherries, there's this incredible bounty in the natural world around us at this time of year, even in the midst of all of the pain that we see collectively and that we're going through personally. So we've come through late spring, midsummer awaits us in the future, and now is really a time to hydrate, to become so nourished, so 
grounded that we really can handle any droughts or fires to come later in this season. And I'm going to talk about a way that you can really tap into that place, tap into that hydration and nourishment at this time. You can use it anytime, but I think especially a lot of us are feeling, you know, worn out and, um, and are facing a new level of uncertainty in our lives or are literally taking on more work as colleagues get laid off or, you know, we are applying for unemployment in the midst of taking care of children or loved ones. And so there's a lot of extra carrying that many of us are needing to do right now. And so it's really an important time to uh, get grounded at, at a deeper level. I am feeling this personally, to be honest. I'm really feeling that kind of raw vulnerability of the crab after they've molted, but before the new shell has formed. Um, I feel like, and I don't think this is just me personally, the work of this time requires a tremendous amount of energy, which doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just how things sort of are right now, right? A lot of us are home full-time with little ones, trying to find childcare, we may be adjusting to changes at work. We're not sure what the work is going to look like in a couple of months. Um, if you're black, you may be spending a lot of energy just to feel safe and protected right now. You know, if you're not black, you you may be spending energy on really deepening your understanding of the black experience and learning about that and trying to step into a greater level of allyship and right relationship with those around you and those that we built, you know, that we share this society with. So wherever you are, you know, if you are awake or paying attention even a little bit, times are intense. And I think we're really being asked, I've said this a couple of times and I mean it, we're really being asked to step into a higher level of maturity and well-being right now. And I think the question of this time is, you know, how can I be so nourished that I'm able to adapt to these times and I'm able to contribute in a helpful way, right? We all know that when we are tapped out, you know, when we've overdone it, we're working too hard or too much and we lose that sense of vitality, we're not really contributing in the the best, most effective ways possible. So I want to give you some space and some tools today to you know, give yourself permission essentially to do that and to tap into your own vitality. Um, and so I'm going to share what I'm doing with that, a practice that I do with clients and share, you know, a metaphor from the natural world that I hope feels helpful. So to be nourished at a deep level, of course, requires that we tend to our eating, our sleep, those sort of basic physical needs that are really important. But when we're in such intensity like we are collectively at this time, something else is needed too. And for me, that has been staying very closely connected to my values. And I picture my values as the rich, dark soil on either side of a riverbank. So when my values are strong, they're embodied in my life, I know what they are, I'm connecting to them, vitality can really flow through me. I can be more like a conduit of energy or water and it feels less like I'm, dry, I'm trying to draw it up from nowhere, like I'm running on empty um, or I need a lot of caffeine or stimulation to keep going. 
when we're tapped into our values and to our own vitality, it comes from a different place. It's easier to let it sort of flow through and, and ride those currents. Values are the things that are inherent to you, that you need in order to have a meaningful life. So some examples could be uh, connection, awe, resonance, freedom. And when we deny ourselves a relationship to our values, where we're really embodying them when we know what they are, when we're connecting to them regularly, our lives can often feel empty or overwhelming or like we're not at the center of them like our lives are essentially a reaction to everything around us so if our values are the riverbanks that enable this vitality to flow then dominant culture has become the set of dams that block that vitality and it, it's probably not a surprise to you that western culture hates what is wild and what flows freely. We see these levers of control and tamping down all around us. You know, for those of us who grew up in this culture, we may have internalized these systems of white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, which are each designed to control the flow of life and resources. And we see that physically manifested all over, but especially in the dams that litter the North American landscape. So I want to talk a little bit about these dams as metaphor, but also as literal, you know, examples of white supremacist culture in poor relationship with the natural world. So there are around... 84 90 to 95,000 dams in the United States. I think that only includes the very large ones. There are smaller ones all over. Uh, only three of these are three percent of these are used for producing hydropower. So these aren't just about creating renewable sources of energy. And in fact, hydropower is not even a renewable source of energy in some cases. In many cases, actually, it can even produce more methane than just straight burning fossil fuels. Uh, so they're sort of a, sounds like they're sort of a scam. I'll include some resources in the links below, but I want to share some other things that I've learned about this phenomena. So dams were built often previously in the 20th century and really were built with a singular focus on their benefits to humans and white settler humans to be specific. So these dams were built to prevent flooding, to control river flow, and to create reservoirs for easy access to drinking water. All of which, you know, might be fine if it had zero impacts on the rest of the ecosystem, but there are some devastating ones. First, fish are no longer able to migrate upstream through these dams as they have for millennia. And if there are fish ladders, they're often ineffective or uh, still extremely limiting to the fish in that river. In the Pacific Northwest, this has been particularly devastating to salmon, which means that other large predators, especially the orcas in this area, are also suffering because salmon are their main source of food. The water at the tops of these dams in the reservoir area often becomes anaerobic or, you know, cold. The oxygen dissolves. It literally becomes uninhabitable water to plant life, which means it becomes uninhabitable to animal life. So it's, har it's 
incredibly harmful to the water above the dam. And then the water downriver is also deprived of its usual rich sediment flow, which means that all of the land below the dam for thousands of square miles loses its ability to fully support life as it normally does. And you can look up pictures, you know, of the land below dams and see some of the devastating effects of them. And I could go on. There are more negative impacts of these, these, uh, what are they? Uh, inventions, but I'll stop there. Dams were built and are continually maintained by people with a really delusional domination-centric orientation to nature. They have been built and maintained by those of us in this culture who believe that nature is here for our manipulation, it's here for our convenience. And all of us in civilized culture have probably benefited from dams in some way, even if now you know we wish they had never been built. So they are troublesome. They are a unique example of our dysfunctional relationship to the natural world and they literally need to be dismantled and you know I hope you'll stay aware of dam removal opportunities in your own ecosystems and you can learn more about them at americanrivers.org but most of us you know even if we don't support dams literally being in place we have internalized this sort of thinking or orientation to control and domination right? We create dams that block and starve our own life force, our own vitality. These can be things like internalized oppression, negative self-talk, you know, a denial of the things that truly give us a sense of joy and meaning. And when I say life force or vitality, I mean the energy that comes from a deep place within. I mean, you know, the, the energy that doesn't come from caffeine or stimulants, it's really the urge to create something, to connect, to live a colorful life, regardless of any external remark or reward. It has nothing to do with your physical ability, your age, your circumstances. It is an inherent part of being human, and we all channel it in different ways. And I want to share some thoughts about what it looks like to limit this life force, what it looks like to create dams that limit the flow of this unique energy that's part of being alive. At a societal level, it's really what we see now. It's seeing a society where people are unable to meet their needs, where we have ecological devastation, we have systemic racism and oppression, we have absurd values that dishonor life itself. You know, dominant, and by that I mean white culture, is supremely confused, right? We value expediency and convenience more than we do the right to drink clean water and to breathe fresh air, right? That's absurd when we really think about it, that, you know, it's more important to me to get my package in two days than it is to give my children water that's free of all of the garbage that's in our water, right? And this is the result of the sickness of domination, this belief that we are separate from and above nature, this belief that nature is here for us, right? At an organizational level, to create these dams and block the flow of vitality looks like a dry, arid, kind of bare landscape 
downriver from a dam. So organizations intent on controlling everything lack creativity. They lack adaptability. They also lack a deep bench of committed people who are there working diligently in pursuit of a common vision. I have been in these places. I know about them. They are sad, transitional places that have a sort of churn and burn mentality toward their employees. And my hope is that as we're all asked to adapt and realign our values at a personal and collective level, that these organizations either fall away or that they you know, remove the dams that are disconnecting them and their employees from that vital life force and that they you know, become better places to, to work and to be. At an individual level, again, there is an emptiness that can be felt here through a sense of overwhelm, a lack of direction or focus, and a disconnection to oneself and to what you need. There can also be this false belief that you have nothing to offer, that nothing is possible, that there is no hope. Again, we're, we're losing connection with that vitality that is part of being here, human, on this planet. So whoever you are, you deserve to feel that sense of vitality that you were born with. It's not constant. It doesn't need to be. That's okay. But too many of us are walking around living in our homes or with our families or going through our work lives, desperately trying to muster the energy to stay focused or keep going. And that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong if you're there. I simply want to offer another way that you can support yourself in that now and into the future. So I want to share some examples of what it could look like to be in appropriate relationship to that vitality, to to let it flow through you in a healthy way. For individuals, this can look like a balanced, realistic sense of yourself. You know you're not the best at everything, but you do know that you have something to contribute here. You have a strong sense of what you need in order to live a meaningful life, and you tend to your values regularly. You are in right relationship with the ecosystem around you, not dominating over it, but playing your important part. For organizations with appropriate flow, employees and the earth are cared for through the work. There is respect for the creative process, for cycles of change. The means by which the organization grows are sustainable, and you can see its positive impacts in the community around it. At a societal level, the dismantling of the dams that are white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, would lead to a respect for life, respect for the earth, embodied through policies and practices that prioritize well-being over profit. It would really mean a deep transformational shift in what we value, right? It would mean valuing the restoration of our landscapes, both internal and external. So to connect with this work at a personal level, I wanna share a values exercise that I do with my clients. So this is a very, very simple way to learn about your values. And it's easy to kind of intellectualize this and pull out words that you think you should find meaningful, you know, to say that, oh, I really value, you know, authenticity or uh, joy or creativity. And, And you could really value those at a deep level, but oftentimes values exercises are where we just kind of pick words off of a list. But in my experience, this is deeply personal work and it's most useful when the entire body is our guide not just our mind 
So I really like using photos and images as a starting point. So what I have clients do and what I've done myself is put together a photo collage or a Pinterest board of images that you like, that move you. They don't have to make any sense. They don't have to tell a story. They simply have to be images that you resonate with at an embodied level where you get that sense of just yes or relief or you feel inspired. And I have clients put 20 to 25 of these images together. And then I ask them to take a step back and see what they notice. And sometimes we do this together and sometimes they do it on their own. Notice what themes come up. You know, are there similar pictures? Are there colors that come up again and again? Are there animals? You know, if so, what kind? Are there shapes? And really just letting your mind kind of free associate with the images that you see. And then identifying the values that you see illustrated in these images. So for example, if you pulled in a lot of images with open space, one of your values might be spaciousness. If you have lots of images with bright colors or fun shapes, one of your values could be playfulness. And the words don't have to make sense to anyone else but you. And I encourage you to come up with a couple of words for each value to really flesh out what you mean by that and get three to 10 values down on paper. Um, as many as you see kind of illustrated in the images that you chose and then decide which ones, maybe the top three to five really land for you right now. And you can stop there or, you know, for clients, the next thing that we do is create intentions based on those values. So if someone has a spaciousness value, we look at and talk about how we can create intentions and take action that helps them embody and really honor that value. Because when they do, it means they're getting what they need and they're letting their vitality flow, which means that the entire ecosystem of their lives, especially their careers, can really flourish. So this is kind of a foundational place where we begin. And so wherever, you know, whatever you decide to do, if you do this exercise, that's wonderful. If you already know your values and feel clear about them, I encourage you to just continue to embody them. The work here is really keeping them close and honoring them. And staying close to your values can help you in small and big ways, right? They help us decide the direction of our lives. They help us make aligned decisions. They help us evaluate choices and, and learn what is going to fit best for us. But they can also be pulled in just as little medicine that we need throughout the day. You know, I often draw on them anytime I'm feeling worn out or just sad or raw or like I need some extra care. Um, for example, one of my values is mystery. And if I need a moment to really center or I'm feeling... I don't know, just bored or, or sad, I can imagine this sort of foggy, quiet lake that really triggers that felt sense of mystery for me in my body. Or if I need something more, you know, I'll connect with and revisit some of the spiritual practices that help me embody that sense of mystery, help me tap into that. So these are practices that help me channel my own vitality, that nourish me, and they, you can come up with your own. Of course, this is available to anyone. So I invite you to connect with your values at a deeper level um, or a more conscious level if you know what they are. 
You can also try this exercise and see if that helps you identify them. But it, we don't have to overthink this again. We're looking to connect with the things that really bring us meaning. And if it helps you to label them and become more aware of them and do this work more intentionally, that's wonderful. But I'm not trying to add anything to your to-do list or make you feel like you're not doing enough. If this feels resonant and supportive to you, great, run with it. If it doesn't, <laughs> you know, you made it this far in the episode and, and you can leave it behind or return to it later. So that's what I want to share with you today. I hope that you really uh, find those sources of support that you need right now, wherever you are, if you're, you know, listening in real time and in the midst of COVID-19 and the social change that's happening around us, that's, you know, wonderful. I hope you root in and really find those places. If you're listening later, you know, this work is available for you too. If you know that you're being invited to hit the reset button on your career or to do more meaningful work, values-based work as an HR professional, and this approach resonates with you, you know, you can sign up for a phone consultation on my website, wildnewwork.com. It's free and, and truly, truly, truly zero pressure. I hope that this episode and the exercise included really felt supportive to you. We need your contributions now more than ever. You are an invaluable, irreplaceable member of this global ecosystem. And I'm really just honored that you stopped by today and honored to have you as part of this community. So be well, take good care. I will be back with you in about a month with another episode and uh, I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.